Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It is Paradise City, I guess. You know, watching football all weekend in my new crib. Really enjoyed some some college football on the big screen. Not only that, some great NFL games. I'm sure Jonathan's going to be pumped tonight that Tampa Bay won a football game and it's Florida State Seminoles. But we had a good good time watching football this weekend. A lot to cover tonight in the 90 minutes we're going to go. If I can make it that long. So, Jonathan, if you're there, uh, come on in, buddy. But we'll we'll be talking some college football tonight. But the main story tonight, really, and is really what's going on at Southern California. And, and it's Steve Sarkeesian. I did question the hire once it happened. Lane Kiffin was fired. Sarkeesian brought in from Washington. Um, looked like a part of the good old boys club. USC is really taking a step back. And, Jonathan, I don't know about you, but Southern Cal should never lose a game with the kind of talent they have on that team. I agree. It's an extremely talented football team that struggles to put together wins. And especially, I mean, if you look at this year alone, they've lost two games at home, one in which they were a 10-point favorite and one in which they were a 17-point favorite. And that's that's totally inexcusable for, you know, USC's most embarrassing losses over the past couple of years have been at home. It was, I remember it was in Washington State um, in 2013 was at home. You have Washington this year on a Thursday night at home. I, I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what, what's, what's really gone wrong with that program. And everything I keep coming back to is Pat Hayden. I think Pat Hayden at the end of the day is, the larger issue in this whole organization because of the issues they've even had with their basketball teams. And I, I'm, man, you you just stole all of my thunder, man. You, thank you, Jonathan, for just ruining the the issue. It's not it's not Steve Sarkeesian. It's not Lane Kiffin as well. It's it's the decision making of this man. It's just like, you know, how many. How many ADs do you see come down on the field cussing officials during a game? You know, I mean, just look mm-hmm. at the guy. The fire Lane Kiffin the way he did at the airport. Didn't even give him a ride home. I think you're right, Jonathan. Pat Hayden is the problem here. But Sarkeesian, you know, showing up to practice drunk, showing up late, maybe in talk. I don't know. if, if I think people say drunk. But, I mean, if you're used to drinking a lot, you're probably, you probably smell it. But he's probably a functioning alcoholic. But is Sarkeesian getting too much of the blame here? Is Pat Hayden trying to to protect himself by making him take a leave of absence? I think Hayden is trying to protect himself. I also think he wants to try and protect the image of the university. And and let's let's remember that, I mean, he was already on thin ice after that loss to Washington because that's a really bad loss. And there was starting to be those rumblings of, you know, he might get kicked out the door. After that, even though everybody's doing the whole, well, it's only been two years. Yeah, but that's a bad law, <laughs> you know. So this is a way for Pat Hayden to try and save some face. But what made this this whole thing really ugly 
was when you had a couple of those accounts out there. I believe one was inside it was inside USC who started posting a new update. It seemed like every five minutes from players and coaches tied to that, the university of Sarkeesian who were bringing up stories of how he was getting hammered on plane ride home. He was drunk during the Arizona state game this year and they actually had to pull him uh, out of the player huddles. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, and, which is fun. It's funny, but it's not because during that game, there's a group of us on FSU Twitter that were uh, kind of joking back and forth that Sark looked a little lit for the game. And then this comes out and you're like, wow, uh, hit that one on the head. But, I mean, there's just there's so much ugly coming out right now that I think Sarkeesian won't survive this. I think he's going to get fired by Christmas, whether he's in, in or out of rehab. Because if anybody else in the world showed up to their job drunk and had to be sent home and so, I mean, multiple times or hammered on, on the job, they're fired. They're gone. There, there's no chance that, that they survive that. I think he's fired by Christmas. I think Hayden's fired. Well, I think I the do. boosters are done. Yeah, I do think, you know, if he has a problem then and if they like him, you know, people have problems out there. It's just because you're you're making millions and you're a college football coach doesn't mean you don't have alcohol, drug problems, and fight mm-hmm. demons just like everybody else. But I think sometimes an employer would, you know, work with you if you go to rehab and everything, but if they want you gone, you're gone. That's a the perfect excuse. I'm with you, Jonathan, I think he's gone. If he was if he was five and oh, six and oh right now would be you know, he would come back. You know, it, it would be a different story. But after embarrassing losses against Stanford, and yes, Stanford's an embarrassing loss at the time, and then losing to Washington at home, I mean, it's unacceptable, inexcusable. But, you know, the in front of the boosters, when they had that player meeting or whatever, when he got drunk and went off crazy, I knew there were problems. And it, it shows leadership, their struggle, their struggle in leadership and struggle in the locker room when you see issues like this happening. But, but you know what we talk about the bad, but but Jonathan, tell us about Fournette, what he did this weekend after the game, after they beat South Carolina. Tell us something good about college football. Um, I, I mean, this is a situation that that touches me. Um, I have family in Charleston, um, so you know that 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 week was very tough because you know you're doing the, you're worrying. Oh, there there were a lot of people who died. Um. And LSU went 100% and, and, and did everything they could. They flew their planes in. They were giving out food. They, they did everything to make South Carolina feel like home. They even played Sandstorm before opening kickoff, which we all know is the South Carolina uh, tradition. But after the game, uh, when Leonard Fournette was being interviewed by ESPN, uh, he was reading a statement. And in the statement, uh, he said that um, he was going to auction off his jersey and for the proceeds to go towards um, the state of South Carolina. And hearing that just, you know, it's such a good thing to hear. And, you know, at first the NCAA was like, hold on, we got we got to park your brakes really quick. we got to make sure everything's cleared, cleared through and good. And, of course, everybody attacks the NCAA, and the NCAA says we just got to do our yep. due diligence. And we can't just let you up and sell your jersey. You know, we got to make sure everything's done through the, the proper channels. So the NCAA approved of it, I want to say, within an hour, maybe an hour and a half after he made the statement. Uh, it's just, when you see something like this, it puts the, the, 
the war, if you will, of football off to the side. I mean, LSU and South Carolina are our conference rivals, and LSU treated them like, you know, you would treat your brother, you know, as he fell on a hard time or your best friend. And it was just something that was wonderful to see, and it was great to see what Fournette did. And he said it best, though, because he said, when we had the same thing in 2005, everybody did it for us. It's time to pay back. And that's just, that was just a wonderful thing. Yep. And, you know, in the, you know, the Iron Bowl, probably the most heated, hated rivalry there is when the tornado happened in Tuscaloosa, it was the Auburn team play, you know, coaches, family coming down to help Alabama put the rivalry to the side. But yeah, for this guy to write a letter like that, a statement, Fournette's one of the classiest dudes in college football. He's a beast. He's a man. And, you know, it, 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 you know, even though I know it came from his heart, it's not going to hurt his Heisman chances. You know what I mean? Get that love. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, everybody's talking about this. But, yeah, I mean, Death Valley was not Death Valley. And I, I talked to someone that went to the game, had season tickets, and just watching it on TV, it was just like the fans sat there and didn't cheer us loud because it was – like South Carolina's home game, Jonathan. It's like the fans even respected this. It wasn't just the LSU players, team, the staff, everything. The, the fans were easy on South Carolina. I agree. I thought the stadium was very quiet. They were very subdued. Um, and from what I hear, that was kind of the number that was to be spread around, um, was everybody's just, you know, kind of enjoy the game. Let's, you know, let, let South Carolina have their moments, though. And you could almost watch it, you know, and I'm, I'm watching the game and I go, you know, LSU's not really going full bore at this. If they wanted, they, they could be dropping 60 points right now. And uh, yeah. you had the sideline reporter for ESPN say, um, you overheard one of the assistant coaches saying, guys, just stay in the right lane. There's no need to go in the left lane and speed on by. Just keep hanging out in the right lane. We'll, we'll, we'll get the win and we'll, we'll do it the right way. And it was good to hear that class man and you know those South Carolina players are not having a good year and now the devastation at home leaving their home their family behind to be able to to go play football hats off the last miles in LSU the whole entire organization of LSU that's why they're number one in the power rankings right now to be at the SEC and you know karma you know as much as you hate Florida I hope you're you're with me here I think LSU destroys Florida Saturday night, man. I don't know about you. I'll talk about it right now, just this second. Florida, right now with their record, they're the most overrated, undefeated team besides probably Iowa in the country right now. Yeah, you know, I can agree with that. I really can. Um, I'm not a fan of Florida. Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, Florida will be one of the few things I associate hatred with, to be honest with you. But after <laughs> watching the Missouri game, what I saw was another pitiful performance. Uh, if Missouri, if Maddie Mock had been playing for Missouri, I feel like that would have been a much closer game. Um, I, I yeah, don't know if Missouri it, would have been been. one, but yeah, I mean, you're sticking a true freshman you know, out there against Tennessee a bunch of dogs. Yeah, T- Tennessee had them blown out. East Carolina had them beat. Kentucky probably should have beaten. All of a sudden, they've got a break, break after break. Now they're playing a freshman mm-hmm. quarterback in Missouri. I want to see what kind of break they get Saturday night in Death Valley, the real Death Valley. Oh, exactly, and I think the best thing they did here was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is the 7 o'clock game. This is the night game. Uh, yeah, because yeah, Alabama a and is a 3.30 game. Yeah, this is a 7 o'clock game, so they got to go to LSU at night. And the one game 
there's, there's always going to be one Florida LSU game at LSU at night that sticks out to me. And I know you'll remember it too. It's the five fourth down conversion, the, J- the Jacob Hester game. Yep. With LSU 128-24. That's a two-loss yep, two year. They won the national championship. That game sticks out to me, and I don't think it's going to take five fourth downs this week to take care of business. But I've, that LSU has so much good karma built up and so much positive energy and the best running back in, in the nation which is hard for me to say considering we're going to a pretty darn good one, <laughs> you, yeah. you know, at my school. But I'm telling you, I really like LSU a lot this week too. Um, that line opened at 7.5. I'm really interested to see if it uh, if it climbs up to 10. Uh, it's a, I thought it opened at 4.5. It's at like 6 now. I, I, would, I would lay probably 14 points in that game, honestly. And uh, I want to get into previewing games and everything, but let me tell you something, Jonathan. Did you? I don't know if you got to listen to Friday Night Show, but I got to get some props where they're due. Quinn Thomas on this show, Friday night, he comes out and tells me, we were talking about the games, Texas-Oklahoma, he said Texas is going to beat Oklahoma. And I'm like, Quinn, you're you're insane, man. What do, you, what do you mean, cover the spread? And he's like, no, beat Oklahoma. I didn't see it coming. Jonathan, what did you think about Charlie Strong and Texas beating Oklahoma? Are you more impressed with Texas, or are you more unimpressed with Bob Stoops again? Big Bob, big game Bob, chokes against probably the worst Texas team of all time. But how did Quinn predict that? I'm going to ask him here in just a moment. Well, Quinn, hats off to you. Um, we, we, all, we all get our golden boy moment. It's like to put it a month. That one upset that we call that everybody thinks we're just nuts. And, and when it hits, you know, you, you just sit there and smile. <laughs> I think that's all you can do, and I, I hope you bet a lot of money on it. Um, I was on the other way on it, so obviously I was very upset when Oklahoma um, – <laughs> I mean, they got outplayed, they got outclassed, they got outcoached. Um, Texas was able to run for, I want to say it was 300 yards. Oklahoma had 70. Um, and Oklahoma is supposed to have two of the better running backs in that conference, maybe even in, in the country, and they only had about 70 yards total. Uh, Baker Mayfield was a Heisman candidate. He ain't no longer. I didn't think he was before, but he ain't, he ain't gonna win a Heisman now. That, that's that's for dang dang certain. No. Um, no. Bob Stoops has got to be embarrassed. But how many of these games is Bob Stoops gonna be gonna survive through? If I told you, hear me out now. If I told you, Bob Stoops is fired tomorrow, would that surprise you? Not at all. Everybody I've asked that has said the same thing. Nobody'd be surprised he got fired after this loss. You know what that tells me? Bob, it might be time for you to go. You should have taken the Florida job when you had the chance, buddy. And, you know, Bart Rick the same way. You know, I love him as a man and as a person, but as a coach, I mean, he's the same way. He's like Bob Stoops. But Quinn's on the line with us. Quinn, what made you think Texas was going to win that game, being a 17-point underdog that get beat by 50 against a not-so-great TCU team, in my opinion? Why were you so confident in that game? <laughs> I just had a feeling, and uh, it's a rivalry game, and Texas Texas always seems to be able to play them tough no matter how their season is going. So I was pretty confident when I said that. I was, uh, I if I would put my confidence on that, I'd say I was about 90% confident that Texas would win that game. Hey, you know, you know what, Quinn? I was, I mean, you know, and there's a difference, me saying, like, somebody's going to beat somebody, but you were passionate about it. And I questioned you three or four times and 
and you were still passionate. So congratulations. That shows, you know, we put all of our heads together on this show. Somebody's going to get it right. You know, too bad Jonathan wasn't here to go against you and laugh at you on the, on air like I did. But, Quinn, we apologize, man, because that was one of the best picks I've ever seen. So uh, the Texas, Charlie Strong, Jonathan, are you ready to buy into Texas just yet? I mean, they're carrying him around like they've won the national championship and they just beat a, a pissy Oklahoma team in my opinion. Well, it's it's it's. I, I want to say two things first. Quinn, great pick again. The best prediction though that I've ever heard, and I actually ridiculed this person on there. Actually, we all did, Brian. I think you were a part of this. Was when um, the couch potato picked Washington State to upset USC in 2013. We all said he was nuts. Washington State wasn't going to go into USC and beat USC. And they did that, and we all tried to laugh him off the show, and he, he definitely meant to eat us words the next day. Um, but <laughs> I'm not buying into Texas just yet. I mean, they've got two wins. You beat Oklahoma. Congratulations. This is an Oklahoma team you lost, to, I want to say, by five last year and, like, six the year before. So this is a team you historically played very, very, very tough. And that's a very tough game. It's a noon game, da da da, da whatever. It's a great win, though, for the program. It's a great win for recruiting. Let's not let's not forget that. It's a huge recruiting win for Charlie Strong because both teams have all the recruits there. That's, there's at least 50 recruits in that game, and I'm willing to bet the majority of them are considering both schools. So now you yep. have recruits and you have players, and, and this is the best thing I saw about that game was he was able to alternate between Hurd and Swoops, and it worked. And they were then neither one of them looked upset. It wasn't like the Houston Texan game on Thursday night when Ryan Mallett was pouting on the sideline. Swoops and Hurd both looked entertained. They both looked happy. They were they they wanted to win for the team. And I think Charlie might have finally got this team to buy in that it's for the team. It's not for you. And that's where I, I, I'm optimistic. And I think this Texas team now has a shot to make a bowl game. And going into this game, I didn't think they'd have a shot to get the four wins. Now I think there's a chance that they could get to a bowl game. This is positive momentum. This is huge momentum boost. See, that's what I'm hoping happens at Auburn. You know, it's just something happens positive to get them going in the right track. You do have talent. But but Auburn has talent. Charlie Strong, the cover was empty. But Mac Brown screwed that team. And, and here Charlie Strong comes out. But I'm not buying him yet. I still think they get crushed by TCU, Baylor, and, and most teams are going to play in the Big 12. I think this is huge just for just just to keep his job another year, but I don't think he's going to keep it much longer. I'm not on that Charlie Strong bandwagon, guys. And, and another bandwagon I'm going to tell you I'm not on is the, the Helfrich at Oregon. Quinn, what did you think about the Oregon Ducks losing at home to Washington State? I mean, what's going you know on what? in Oregon? I, I thought that could happen. Um, I actually thought they could uh... – Loose Colorado the week before, and Colorado actually kind of kept that game close. So Washington State winning didn't surprise me at all. Washington State can put up points, and the Oregon defense is uh, about as soft as the toilet paper I used to wipe my butt with. So (laughs) it doesn't surprise me at all. Jonathan, I said when 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 Chip Kelly left, uh, I, I just didn't think Helfrich could recruit at the level. I just don't think he could coach at the level. And then Mariota was kind of the band aid really for that program. Mariota's now in Tennessee. Uh, 
playing football in the NFL. I mean, what's going to happen with Helfrich here? I mean, these are embarrassing. You look, you lose by forty against Utah. And I know Utah's good. Forty at home at night, then you lose at home to Washington State. I mean, when's enough enough? Could Helfrich lose his job this year? I think he could, and I think if he does, Scott Frost will probably get promoted to the head coaching spot. And obviously, Jason Humphrey would have more of a gauge of the reading on that than I would. But there's a lot of positive buzz about Scott Frost uh, last off season, and he decided to stay uh, home instead of even entertain an interview with Oregon. So I think um, I think Scott might be the next in line. Um, I actually took Washington State. I want to say it was plus seventeen and a half. So I'm, I'm yeah. I was pretty happy with myself, because um, Quinn hit it on the head. I had Oregon laying six and a half against Colorado, and I had to sweat for three quarters. It wasn't until late in the fourth <laughs> quarter when Oregon started making self-inflicted mistakes. I mean, Colorado started making self-inflicted mistakes that Oregon was able to pull away and make that make that a 17-point game. So Oregon, Vernon Adams isn't playing right now because he's hurt. So they have Lockie. Lockheed's been in that system three years and can't figure out, well, I mean, can't figure anything out. Can't read a defense, can't do anything. So Oregon can only run the football at this point. Oh, let me put nine guys yep. in the box and I can stop that. I mean, this is this is bad. This is very, very, very bad for Martel Freak. Because what that tells me is Mariota wasn't just a, wasn't just uh, a, a part of the system. He was their system. He was the Band-Aid, and speaking of, look, look, let's bring Jason in and give him a chance. I mean, I know, and Jason, we're not beating up your team, but I've, I called it, you know, when he was hired. I just didn't didn't like the guy. I don't believe in him. I don't think anybody fears him. Now losing two games at home the way he has. You tell me, Jason, what do you think about it? Is it Helfrich's the issue? What, what's going on in Oregon? Um, Helfrich would keep his job if they make a bowl game. If they don't, he'll probably get fired. Um, I I want to say a year removed from the title game last year, uh, I think he keeps his job. Um, I, um, I know I'm a Duck fan. Um, I, I still trust in the mark. I, I really do. But after yesterday's game, it's it's slipping a little bit. Um, we have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, and you, you can't keep it. That's frustrating. Especially against a terrible Washington State team. That's what I have the problem with. It's, yeah. You know, when Auburn won the championship in 2010, you know, it was all great. But but two years later when Gene Chizik's getting beat by 40 against his rivals, you can't lose. You can't lose your swagger like that. You can't get embarrassed. And that's what Oregon right yeah. now to me is they're getting embarrassed and Nike pumping in that money. I mean, they're not going to allow that. So, so I'm going to tell you right now, I think Helfrich gets fired. Who do they bring in, in your opinion, if he gets fired? Chip Kelly, is he going to come back? Uh, um, I, I, I want to, I want to agree with Jonathan, the way he said about Scott Frost. Um, like, like I said, um, my, who, the person I'm dating is a Nebraska fan, and I tell her every day, I'm surprised Nebraska didn't go after Scott Fox. Um, really surprised they didn't. Um, I, I would love to see Foss replace Mark if Mark gets fired. 
Yeah, I think I think Nebraska thinks they're better than what they are. But but Jason, man, I'm sorry your, your team lost like that. My team sucks this year too. So so don't feel bad. You know it's going to get better hopefully. But 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 Jonathan, looking at Oregon, there has to be a change in leadership, man. How's this guy going to recruit? How's he going to go on the recruiting trail and sell? Oregon Oregon's great. They have all the uniforms and everything. But Chip Kelly had a machine running there. And he didn't win a national championship. Helfrich did play for the championship, but it, let's let's give it credit where it's due. Mariota was that team. He was. Mariota yeah. was a huge part of that team, and they've been able to just. It seems, you know, really well. well let's be honest. Mark was playing with, with Chip's recruits in that title game. He was. I mean, a lot of those seniors were Chip's guys. So that, that that's one thing we got to remember. It's kind of like when um, Urban Meyer won his won his national championship, the first one in 2006, and everybody went, yeah, well, that was with Ron Zook's players. So, I mean, how good is the recruiter Urban Meyer then? And then we found out how good he really was <laughs> two years later. So, yeah. I mean, that's where what we're doing now is we're finding out Helfer's not that good of a recruiter. He could, he could coach. There's no doubt about that. He can run a system. I mean, because it's the same system we learned from Chip. So he's just, run, he's just running the same thing. But as far as recruiting goes, he can't figure, figure it out. And I think Oregon's biggest problem has been they're trying to recruit specifically for that system, but almost to a fault. Well, we only want guys whose 40 time is below this. And we only want receivers who are six foot, you know, at least six foot two. We only want quarterbacks who can do this. I mean, when you start pigeonholing yourself, if the system starts to fail, you can't get away from the system. That's all you've built for. And I think that's where Helfrich is now breaking down because he brought in Adams because he found out too late that Lockheed can't run his system. And that's exactly what happened. So now, I mean, they, Oregon's stuck. And I agree. If Oregon misses a bowl game, he's gone, automatic. If they finish 8-4, let's say in some off chance, I doubt it at this point, but let's say they finish 8-4 and four and play in the Holiday Bowl, okay, he'll probably get another year because they were in the title game last year. But if they finish, six, I mean, 5-7 and seven gets him fired, 6-6, six and six, 60, 65% chance he's gone. I'd say it right now. Well, let's look at it. At Washington, um, the 17th, I mean, Washington just went to Southern Cal and won. I'd, that's going to be a tough one at Arizona State, Cal at Stanford. They host Southern Cal and Oregon State. I mean, right now they've won two ball, three ball games, and they've lost three. I just don't see three more wins, Jonathan. I'm sorry, I, I just don't. I agree. When you look at their schedule, it does. It's very daunting. Um, I don't know if there is three more wins there for them to get. But, I mean, we've seen some strange things already out there in the past. I mean, let, let's be honest here. Out of, out of everybody, who ought, raise your hand if you really thought Utah would be the last undefeated team in the Pac-12 at the, end, at the beginning of the year. And that they would beat Cal, the only under-undefeated team at the time. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Who, who saw that coming? You know, so I think there's still some more crazy coming out of the Pac-12. And remember, at the beginning of the year, you and I said the Pac-12 conference champ is going to probably have two losses. Well, Utah's still got to hit some real teeth in their schedule. So, I mean, we could definitely yeah. still see where the Pac-12 make it left in the playoff, or because of what we've seen so far this year, where it seems like there's a lot of parity this year, we may just see a four or two-loss teams in the playoff. Who knows? I mean, this is going to be fun. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm telling you, Utah's not going undefeated. I mean, they play Arizona State at Southern Cal, Oregon State at Washington, at Arizona, UCLA, Colorado, the championship game, uh, if they do. But that Michigan win's looking good. I think if they – I want to talk about them, too. I think if we went back and played that Michigan-Utah game right now, I think Michigan would beat them. I mean, look at the Big Ten right now, Jonathan. Surprise, surprise. I mean, Ohio State's undefeated. They're number one. They're, I think yesterday they finally – started playing good in the second half, trying to find their identity. Michigan State's not as good. I think Michigan could be the best team in the Big Ten. Well, if, I, if, I, if my opinion right now, Michigan's the best team in the Big Ten, what would you say to that right now? Uh, I, I would say that that's not too far-fetched when we're talking about a team that's posted, what, three straight shutouts at this point? I don't think they've given up a point in like 135 minutes. Or I mean, it's ridiculous. They just, they just stomped Northwestern into the ground yesterday. I mean, stomp them. They're, they're, I mean, Northwestern wasn't breathing. It got to the point where you had people in the stands going, they're dead. You can stop now. Uh, it, it was that. And this is a Northwestern team that manhandled Stanford. This is, you know, this is a good Northwestern football team. I mean, I said, yeah. though, I said after that, I said Utah game, I said if, if Rudolph could figure it out, this is a Michigan team that once they get to Michigan State, they could be rolling offensively. I said it. I know I did, you know, because there's a lot of talent there. There is. They have great running backs. Their offensive line, actually, no, uh, I know they're starting left tackle. Uh, actually playing against in high school. I mean, he, I, you know, I know they got a good offensive line. And that defense is solid. And, and that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of people consider God. Harbaugh is an offensive coach. But everywhere he goes, he gets that defense to an elite level first. So then his offense can figure everything out. And it's working. Well, well, I'm going to tell you this. It's a, he's an elite level. And Quinn, I'm, I'm looking at Michigan State being a, like a seven-point underdog to Michigan and Ann Arbor. Looking at this Michigan schedule, I mean, they can run the table. They host Ohio State at the end. I mean, what are we looking at, Quinn? Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten, bar none, I'm telling you. Right now, looking at the rest of their schedule, um, they could be undefeated going into that Ohio State game. And they're going to boat race Michigan State and beat them by 17-plus points. I'm going to say that yep. right now. I think Michigan, in the big house, that crowd's going to be rocking. They're going to boat race them and beat them like, oh, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan State only got about seven points. I could see the score being 31 to stop. Jonathan, I think Quinn. I mean, I, I don't. Maybe not that. Maybe, but I think Michigan State's shown every week. You know, I I thought they were higher. I was high on Michigan State before the season. Once I, you know, the working game, they struggled. They won by three, and we thought that was a big win. And now we realize that wasn't really a big win. The team struggled against Air Force, Central Michigan, Purdue. They won by three points. They beat Rutgers by seven. Jonathan, I think Michigan State's way overrated right now. Michigan State's a confusing because people want to compare, and I saw ESPN do it earlier, and it really drove a nerve with me. ESPN wants to compare Michigan State this year to Florida State last year. Well, they're doing just enough to get by. No, 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 no. What Ohio State's doing this year, you can compare to Florida State last year. We didn't go to Rutgers and uh, be down for three quarters. Okay, we didn't do that. Uh, There was no team on our schedule that bad that we struggled with. I'm going to get that out in the open. 
right, so what Michigan State is doing is, I don't know if they're trying to do the whole, let's just do the bare minimum, and then for our big games, we're going to come out and give it all out. I don't know, because apparently that's what the word is coming out of East Lansing, is that D'Antonio and that coaching staff are telling the players, we're going to win the game, don't worry about it, we just don't want anybody to get hurt because we got this big game coming up or that. And I think that's a stupid way to coach. It's a dangerous way to coach. All right. Yep. That's not how you win football games. So I agree with Quinn. I honestly think this Michigan State team isn't that good. I honestly think Michigan's going to come out and blast Michigan State. And then my question is, when Michigan plays Ohio State, and let's just say for Grins, Ohio State's 11-0, Michigan's 10-1, and that game's in Ann Arbor. Who's favored in that game? Michigan's favored. Michigan's favored. Michigan, no, I don't know. It's perception. I think it'll be about a, a one or two point spread. Ohio State. That's a, it. Just depends on how they look. But I'm favored. I Michigan think it'll to be me. a pick em. And and Michigan could easily, if they win the Big Ten with one loss being the only loss being at Utah, the first game of the year, you can bet your bottom dollar that Michigan's going to be in that playoff. I'm and they would deserve you, it. What a story. Yeah, what a story. Where, where last year, Ohio State didn't deserve it, in my opinion, losing at home by 14 to a terrible Virginia Tech team. Michigan, first game, new coach, new system, goes on the road, got beat by a very good team. They turned the ball over five times and only lost by a touchdown. So, to me, Michigan right now is a top ten team. There's no doubt in my mind. I think they're the best team. They're playing better than anybody in the Big Ten. You beat Northwestern that bad. Northwestern is not a powerhouse, but they did beat Stanford. They they were undefeated. I mean, they skull drug Northwestern to the to submission, and it's it's just good to see. It makes you realize how dumb San Francisco is. I mean, they're sitting over here. They suck. Colin Kaepernick's terrible. The whole team's terrible. How does he turn it around so quick, Jonathan? I mean, to me, I don't think Michigan was loaded with talent. I mean, I looked at it. I mean, they had some decent recruiting classes, but how did he turn it around so fast? Well, he brought in a very good defensive coordinator in D.J. Durkin. And I remember him from his Florida days. He was a very good coach then. And it was always, you know, when's Durkin going to get his big chance? And he definitely got it when he went up to – when he, you know, now he's up in Michigan. Uh, he, he's done a fantastic job up there. Um, Brady Hoke, I think we're finding out, is really that bad of a coach. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I think we're all finding he's out. He, wow, I mean – Fred Flintstone really wasn't that bad of a coach. <laughs> I mean, he was useless. I mean, come on. And it's like, a, it's like a garbage bag with a hole in the bottom. What was the point of having him there? So, I mean, Harbaugh's gotten his team to buy in. And from what I heard, the first, you know, padded practices we had were as long as you can have them, and they were full contact the whole time. And he was trying to instill a toughness in his organization and he's trying to instill a winning mentality. It's the same thing he did at San Diego University, same thing he did at Stanford, same thing he's done at, he did at San Francisco, yeah. and now he's doing it in Michigan. And it's amazing to yeah. see. I mean, I, I have a buddy who and works I doubted him. for them, and he's telling me, you know, that the team has bought in. Everybody on a part of that team believes that Harbaugh speaks the word of God at this point. It's essentially what it is. Yeah. Well, think about it. I mean – Jim Harbaugh knows what it takes to play to to play in the NFL. He was a player. He's one of the best coaches, in, if not the best coach in the NFL. 
he he owned Pete Carroll when he was at Stanford. He started he was giving Chip Kelly fits. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, I did not give him enough credit. I mean, I don't I really didn't think it could happen this fast, but when I watched that team play, it's it's amazing how big coaching is in college football. When I look at that, I look at Auburn play and they can't even get a first down and I'm wondering, okay, you know, I'm watching Harbaugh over here come in and look what he's doing. You're right. They bought in. Everybody's buying in. It doesn't mean you, you don't struggle from time to time. Like in a couple of years, they may lose a couple of games, but right now these guys believe and every week that goes, they keep winning. They keep believing more and more. And Jonathan, you throw in a big game against Michigan state. They win that one. Then you have some cupcakes, Minnesota, Rutgers, Indiana, and a tough game at Penn state. But by then the team's going to be rocky. That Ohio state Michigan game, put the Iron Bowl to shame already. I mean, the Iron Bowl is probably going to suck anyway, but Ohio State-Michigan may be the game of the year. I mean, it has a good chance. And I, I, I here's the amazing thing. I mean, I don't know if anybody's really thought about this, but at the end of the year, we could have an undefeated Ohio State going to, uh, you know, a one-loss Michigan, and uh, as that game ends, we could have an undefeated Florida State going to Florida. And let's just say Florida's one loss is run the table at that point. Who would have thought at the end of last year that Florida or Michigan would be playing games against their main rivals at the end of the year and we care? And we'd honestly care. Those look like big games now. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're big games and and that's why you got to love college football. But and I want to ask you guys a question, Quinn. I'll start with you. And are you going to buy or sell the Clemson Tigers right now in the ACC? Dabo Sweeney got very offended because they what was the word? Um, the adjective they used, Jonathan. Clemsoning. Yeah, Clemsoning. Yes, the Clemsoning. And he, it, I mean, but here he he deserved that title. He deserved you know that being said. So. This year, looking at the Clemson Tigers and the ACC, I mean, when are you buying these guys? Are you looking for them to, to Clemson in? Well, I think if they lose, I think their only loss would be to uh, Florida State. Uh, Notre Dame uh, should have won that game, but shot themselves in the foot. So I think I think mm-hmm. they won't. I, I don't think they'll lose to anybody they – Shouldn't lose to, but I think Florida State could be. Uh... Well, Jonathan, do you think Clemson, if they run the table, do you think they deserve a chance this year? I mean, Clemson looks good to me. Don't get me wrong. Georgia Tech's bad, but I could see them losing Halloween at NC State or something like that. That would be the Clemsoning I'm talking about. And, and you see, that's, that's funny. At the beginning of the year, when I was doing my preseason thing, I'm looking at Clemson's schedule, and I go, I have a couple tricky games for them. At Louisville on a Thursday night. Ah, but Louisville doesn't, I don't think Louisville's going to be that good this year. They're going to buy with the next week. Clemson to take care of business. I didn't think the Notre Dame or Georgia Tech game was going to be tricky for them, to be honest. Um, I felt like the, if, if Deshaun Watson had played against Tech last year, they would have beat him, and I didn't think Notre Dame could go into Death Valley. I kept coming back to that North Carolina State game because it it's the week after Miami. It's the week before Florida State. It's on the road. It's a hostile environment. 
And if ESPN knows what they're doing, they're going to make that a, a, a 7 o'clock game so the crowd's really into it because the later it gets in Raleigh on game day, the crazier the fans get. Found out the hard way as a Florida State fan. That is the only game right now that I'm looking at going, there's Clemson's moment. <laughs> there's their moment. Because that, that is Clemson at its finest. That's what that would be. They would lose the week before the Florida State game and then not get game day for the Florida State, you know, for that Florida State game. That's what it would be. Oh. That right there. Yeah, and, and look, I know Steve Spurrier and South Carolina are struggling, but for some reason Spurrier is just a smart aleck. He, he knows how to get to Dabo Sweeney. Who, who knows by November 28th how South Carolina is going to be, but I just don't think Clemson's at that level yet. I don't. I mean, they, they play Florida State at home. Florida State's rebuilding this year, and I still don't think when talent when, – when Florida State has to play good, they do. And that's a tr- sign of a very talented team. Uh, Clemson, I'm telling you, man, they will choke. It's just a matter of time before they choke. They almost choked to Notre Dame there and let them back in the game. And Notre Dame's playing with, I mean, God, how many injured players? I mean, coach of the Six year right starters now is Kelly, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's the coach of the year, in my opinion, what he's done so far, one of them. But it's just, and with the parity okay, that's going them. on, Notre Dame could still make the playoffs if they went out. Yeah, but uh, I, mean, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I don't know. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I don't know, Quinn. The, not being in the conference with with a loss is going to hurt. If, uh, undefeated Notre Dame, no doubt. But having that one loss, and and you saw it happen to Baylor. You saw it happen to TCU. No conference championship game. It just like you're you don't matter anymore. You're to the side. All of a sudden, the Big Ten's on stage. The SEC, the ACC. The Pac-12, but we all see the Pac-12, what it's doing well, this year. I just the think Notre Dame needs to join a conference. Yeah, the mm-hmm. reason why I say that is because of, okay. of what? Because I think that, uh, I think that um, there will be a couple two-loss conference champions. I think the SEC champ will have two losses. The Pac-12 champ, I think, will have two or more losses, um, and that's yeah, three so, out of the so, so, two out so of Quinn. the power five. So, so, so Quinn, pretend with me a moment. Alabama wins the SEC with two losses. You think a one-loss Notre Dame team gets in over a two-loss Bama team? Yeah, I do. Jonathan, what do you think? I don't, and and and, it is, and this is how I look at it. I treat Notre Dame, and this is going to sound really rough, Quinn, so just, you know, don't hate me afterwards, but I treat Notre Dame like they're a group of five team, like they're a mid-major team. I, that's how I treat all the independents. You're not in a conference. And granted, Notre Dame does play a tough schedule. They don't play any uh, uh, Division two teams like a lot of these teams do. But I feel going through a 13-game schedule like a conference champion from the SEC, Pac-12, ACC, or Big Ten, uh, it, it is a tougher road. Now, that being said, if we see 2007-style apocalypse, that kind of parity, where a two-loss LSU was the national champion, Notre Dame becomes that Ohio State. Because Ohio State was in that championship game because they were the only big dog at one loss. That's what it wound up being. So we could see that to where we see, let's say, it was a one-loss Notre Dame, a two-loss Bama, a two-loss Michigan, you know, for for you know for giggles, and then 
you know, two loss Utah. We could see that. That's not that's not out of this out of this realm. But I think Notre Dame would have to be the best. I mean, clearly ahead of everybody else, best one loss team out there for them to get that consideration. They really yeah. Won. Yeah, I agree. They have to win their games in a dominant fashion. And well, as far as Quinn, you you have USC coming up. Even if you beat them, I don't think it's a big deal right now with what's going on. And then you play Temple, yeah. Pitt, Wake Forest, Boston College, and even Stanford right now is not. I mean, what kind of win are we looking at on your schedule? that would bolster you over. Look at Alabama. They probably would have beaten LSU, Georgia, A&M, Auburn, people like that. But looking at Notre Dame's schedule, I think this Notre Dame team's better than the one that played for the national championship a couple years ago. But, Quinn, tell me that win. Yeah, tell me that win on the schedule that would put them ahead of a conference champion that played the last game of the year. Well, I think Stanford could be 10-1 and one going into that game, and going at Stanford, I think that would be their big win. But really, honestly, there's no other really big wins. It's about how they win. If they if they dominate these teams and blow them out of the water, that's the thing. That's what they're going to have to show the playoff team is we may not really have any re- good teams the rest of the way, but if they're winning by, like, 17-plus points mm-hmm. these games yeah. and they but, go. But, I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I'm looking at it like Clemson or Notre Dame's played one team that's that's a possible, so far, the possible playoff team conference champion. That was Clemson. They lost. And they were getting beat pretty good for the entire game. I think Clemson let up. So that means Stanford comes in. Just say Stanford is 10-1, and one, like you said, and they beat them. Jonathan, is that enough, really, just to – you know, you lose an ACC team in Clemson, but you beat a Pac-12 Stanford team. Is that a big enough sample size to see if Notre Dame really deserves it over like a two-loss Bama uh, team like that? Well, I think they get some benefit of the doubt because of the backup quarterback in Kaiser. So I think you look at the win against Virginia and the win against Georgia Tech. I think you give them a little, a, a lot more credit, even though those were close games. Yep. Because you know, you're sticking in a kid who had no experience, and they were still able to get out those victories. So those are two good wins in my, in my eyes. Clemson, and I'll say this: they tried to give that game back to Notre Dame. Notre Dame just didn't want to take it back. Um, I mean, that, that's the best way I could put it. I think that Navy wins a good win. It's not a great win, but it's a good win because they've always, they I want to say Navy has covered the spread the past 10 times before that game. And they went ahead and covered the against and they beat it by 17. It wasn't a one-possession game. They came on the second half and took control of that. So that that's a good win for them. I, the USC game obviously is lost in luster. But it's still a talented USC team. I just don't know how they're going to show up. Um, I have Temple, uh, Temple. I have Temple, Pitt, and Stanford all on my top 25. Those are three road games for Notre Dame. If they win those three yeah. games, I'll be impressed. If they smoke Temple, beat up in Penn State, if they smoke Pittsburgh, and they can go into Stanford and they get a they get a nice W there, I mean, they've caught my eye. That Stanford game, though, is their big game now. That's what they have to look forward to. They have to take care of business at Stanford. If they don't, they're in trouble, big trouble. Brian Kelly will be, in a, will be on the hot seat. Yeah, I'm telling you, if Notre Dame was healthy, they would probably have been the best team in the country right now. Jason Humphrey wants to come in 
And Jason, you're telling me right now that Southern Cal is going to beat Notre Dame this weekend. Why is that? Yes, I am because USC has a history of when something bad happens to the coach, even if it's um, Lane Kiffin getting fired in the middle of the season or what's going on with Steve Starkeesan, they always respond good. And and plus, they respond good after a loss um, this year. When they lo- um, lost to Stanford, they um, blew out Arizona State. I'd say this week they go to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame. Wow, Quinn, response. Well, I think Notre Dame has had this game circled because they went to USC last year and got their brains blown out. Uh, (laughs) What I think about this game is I think Notre Dame wins this game by 14-plus at home. They could, but that that Southern Cal team is talented, and 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 I yeah. think when we, we when we, the frustrating thing about Southern Cal and their talent with no leadership really is when the game's on the line and they they're playing somebody great in the spotlight, they play good. When they're playing a crap team like Washington coming on a Thursday night, Jonathan, they lose. It wouldn't surprise me if Southern Cal beat Notre Dame just because of their talent. Would it you? It really wouldn't surprise me. Um, I mean, it always seems, you know, that, like, like USC tends to play down to competition at times, just completely lose focus. Um, I mean, they're going to play off. They're going to come out this week. I, I have a feeling that team is going to come out this week and try and get it done. They're going to come get at it. And that's going to be something to see. I just don't know. I mean, is this an Ed Orgeron situation? And, and how dumb does the university feel now passing on him? I mean, because he rallied that team after Kiffin was fired. So, you know, maybe that was the best decision at the time would have been to, would have been to hire him. But uh, that yeah. being what it is, I, that, this could be, I think it's going to be a good game to see. I really do. I'm really interested. Uh, in I, hate it. I hate Ed Orgeron. I hate Ed Orgeron. I think he's more of a mascot to me than a coach. I, I just can't stand that guy. But, hey, I want to talk about a team real quick. I want to, I want to talk about a team that – and a matchup that I think, you know, Alabama looked like crap last night. I don't know if y'all watched that game. They Their defense looks yeah. good. Arkansas's offense is terrible. But I think there's a lot of people that actually think, Jonathan, that Texas A&M is going to beat Alabama this weekend in College Station. And, man, I don't like previewing games this early, but do you honestly think A&M, after losing 59 to nothing last year, did, did they get 59 points better? I mean, did, did they find the running game? Did they find a quarterback that could run the football? Did they find a defense that could really tackle? Well, we're going to find out. What, what's your early prognostication on this A&M-Alabama game? Alabama comes in a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Alabama <laughs> blows their brains out. How bad – does Jacob Coker look? I mean, honestly, he looked bad. I mean, I mean, I like Jacob. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's from, he's he, he he's originally a Florida State guy, and I think if he starts that whole Ole Miss game, they they probably win that game because uh, Bateman looked atrocious and put them in a big hole early. But he looked rough against Arkansas. He looked really rough. And if Miles Garrett can get after him, I think A and M can get up early, and then it's. 
you know, let's see if Bama can play catch up. Because then you got to force him to throw, and that's their weakness right now. Bama's going to have to jump on A&M early and often because I think A&M, while they may not run the football as well as, you know, everybody would want them to as an SEC team, they're pretty good throwing the football. They got that freshman named Kirk out there who has that Reggie Bush-esque feel to him. You know, he, he's very explosive. He makes a lot of big things happen. Alabama special teams looked rough this year, so he can take advantage of that. I mean, this is going to come down to turnovers. How many times can Alabama turn the ball over without it coming back to bite them? And that's what this game is going to come down to. And, and Quinn, it is A&M for real. I mean, I, I can't say that until I watch them play Alabama. If they come in and beat Alabama this weekend, watch out. A&M could be a playoff team. That's how, you know, adjustment gets yeah. chief on defense. But I think it's going to be the same old, same old. I mean, Alabama no. goes on the road again, and I think Alabama – Beats the brains out of A and M. I'm by. Uh, I'm buying A Now, I mean, like I said on Friday, I think A and M will keep it a game. I no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that A and M will beat Bama. I think Bama could pull it out, but it, it'll be a good game, a close game. And I think, and I think Jonathan's right. If uh, A&M can get out to a lead, could get out to an early lead, that could cause Bama a lot of problems because then they're going to have to pass the ball. And as we saw last night, Bama doesn't want to have to be passing the ball. <laughs> yeah, I think to beat Bama, you have to have a special kind of dual threat quarterback, kind of like Ole Miss had and everything. But hey, let's say a game that I didn't want to forget about talking about it. The Georgia Tennessee game last year. If you if you were watching that first play of the game and you saw Nick Chubb's injury, I mean, tell me you had a toilet near you so you could throw up. But uh, Nick Chubb's out for the year, probably no doubt about that. Uh, Georgia with a twenty-four to three lead, Jonathan, they'd choke it away. Tennessee, that's a Tennessee team I've been talking about, thinking that would show up all year, a team that could have been beating Florida and Oklahoma. What did you think about the Georgia-Tennessee game yesterday? And is Georgia and Mark Rick, how much longer are we going to keep talking about him choking in the big games? Well, I thought Georgia, the way they jumped up to their lead was kind of fluky. Um, that 97-yard yeah. fumble return for a touchdown, uh, the punt return for a touchdown. I looked at that and said, you know, oh, I kind of see those points. Oh, I mean, Tennessee's going to get those points back. The minute I saw it, they're getting the points back. Um, I, I do want to uh, – of the Chubb injury, it's a huge shame. I've gone through the injury. When I saw that one, I cringed. I almost cried. I, 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 could, I, I could imagine the pain he went through. I had, my dad had, did not see it live with me. Now, I want to I go ahead and paint a picture here. My dad's in a cast that goes from his knee all the way down to his foot because he just had pure ankle reconstruction surgery that he even had to break his foot so that everything would go right. I showed my dad the video of it. He threw the phone back at me in just, like, shock and horror. Um, so that was a very bad injury. My prayers are out to him. From what I heard today, his mom put out there, it's bad. It, 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 yeah. it, it, it's, not, it's not looking good. Um he was unconscious, Jonathan. He lost consciousness during this. That ought to tell you something. Oh, and that 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 whole thing kind of upset me, the way the staff handled this. They did not get him off that building into the locker room quick enough. You've got to get him out of there. 
we could all tell how bad that was. You have to get him into the locker room, get him in the hospital, something. Move, quick, 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 come on. What are you waiting yeah. for? And that, that upset yeah. me. I know that as well. Yeah, I mean, you can't let him sit on the sideline like that. You can't. That's bad. That looks very bad on the university's part. And, and obviously, that's a tough loss for Georgia. It's, it's a huge win for Tennessee. You know, people are saying, well, Georgia's pretenders now. That is, Georgia can still win this, win, win the East Division. They can. Let, let's, let's not fool everybody. They can still do it. Tennessee still shows that they're not all the way there yet, that we might be a year early on Tennessee. You know, we, we might be. You know, another year and this team could be something that we expect them to be. Just like, you know, I, I think I was with Iowa last year. Now look at Iowa now. But Mark Rick has to win this decision. He has to. Or he, he, I mean, there's no way I could honestly sit here and tell you with a straight face that he can keep his job if they don't make the SEC championship game. There's no way. Time and time again, the team falls apart. Alabama should have been a death knell. Should have been. But the team's still in it because Tennessee looked looked very rough. And, I mean, say what you want about Florida, they don't look that good. I mean, we could be talking about Florida having two losses going into November to to LSU and Georgia. We could. I just just don't know if Mark Richardson is alive in Florida. Yeah, and everybody, it's like you look at the East and – I think we were – I don't think we are a year early on Tennessee. I think they just choked away a couple of games they shouldn't have. But I, I just see Mark Rick. It would be different if he was in the West where there were some very good teams stacked through it, and it's brutal. But you're in the East where – I mean, you can lose two games and still play for the SEC championship. You usually don't have that luxury in the West. But here we go again. If Florida or Tennessee makes this SEC championship game, He's got to lose his job. But what's going to happen, Georgia wins the division, Quinn. They get skull drug again by Alabama. I mean, where where are we? Mark Rick, with all this talent, year in and year out, he still can't win the big game, man. I'm sorry. He's a great man, Christian man. I respect him. But he's not a good head coach. No, I hope he stays. I hope he does enough that he stays because I don't like Georgia. And I hope they stay in mediocrity. So I hope they don't get rid of them. And, and, they, and they always play Auburn good, no matter what. No matter who. Nick, Nick Chubb will be back to uh, a four flat by the time Auburn comes. You know, I mean, that's how Georgia <laughs> plays against against Auburn. All of a sudden, this miraculous healing happens, and Nick Chubb's going to come back and run for 300 yards. But, but, Donovan, I mean, it's time Mark Rick goes. I mean, you need some fresh blood. I think sometimes you've been there so long that, I mean, it's just you need a change. And give me a coach right now that could replace Mark Rick. And that's another big question. When you when you replace a coach like that, who you you got to bring in somebody better. What kind of hot coach do you bring in right now to replace Mark Rick? Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Um I mean, because if you're looking around, it's not like everybody, you know, there's not really that one big-name coach. But, I mean, actually, you're under-the-radar guy, and his name is now slipping me. Oh, goodness. Uh, the head coach at Memphis. Um, okay. I can't remember I don't his. even know his name. Uh, but but are but, you going to bring him in, though? But it's Georgia, after having a Mark Rick, 
are they going to bring in some guy from Memphis? I mean, or or do they think they deserve somebody like on the saving level or something to come? I mean, are are you going to fire Rick just to take a chance on a coach? At least with Mark Rick, you know you're probably going to win nine games, make a bowl game, and, and recruit well. But we bring in somebody Justin like from Memphis. Justin is the Memphis coach name. Josh Passman, right? Justin That's the problem. There we go. Justin Fuente, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, well, it's the Bo Pelini-Nebraska situation. With Bo Pelini, what do you have? You're going to win nine games every year. Maybe you'll make the conference championship. You'll get smoked. And, and that's what it was under Bo. It's the same thing. You won nine games every year. You, you made the conference championship two or three times. You got skull drug, and, and, and you moved on. And <laughs> it was rinse I mean, that, that's what they did. So, I mean, if you're Georgia – you could try and go, maybe you go get a Bo Pelini, even though I think the fan base would revolt if he did that. Um, I, yeah. I think you look around, maybe, you know, maybe Mike Bobo does enough for Colorado State to where he gets back in the good graces. Doubt it. Um, I like Fuente from Memphis. I like him a lot. I think he's a good coach. You're not going to go get Tommy Tuberville. I, I mean, find me a How coach about Chip out Kelly? there. Oh, God. I mean... Seriously, Chip Kelly. what about Chip Kelly? Just, just, let, let, just say he gets fired at Philly. Let's say he gets fired or he just this year he doesn't do as that's well. That's who the fans want. He, that's who they'll want. That's who they're going to go after. They're going to go. They're going to say we want Chip Kelly. Uh, we want John Gruden. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, John Gruden. He's never leaving Monday Night Football for the money he's making. I'm going to say, would People you? I mean, he gets paid millions to no. watch football. I, I would love to have his job. So, I mean, you know Georgia fans, are going to, they're going to go for a big name like Kelly or Gruden. I think Georgia would be wise. You know what? If we're, and I think this is what we're in Nebraska myth. If you're going to fire a coach who is successful, maybe he's not great. Kirby. Okay. He's not saving, but he's good. Okay. You're Kirby winning smart. every year. And I don't I know if they're going to hire Kirby Smart. I, 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 don't I think either. he's I think waiting for Bama. I think Kirby's waiting for Bama. I think Kirby's going to do what Will Muschamp didn't do and actually wait for that job to open up. I mean, okay. I'm telling you, if you're going to do this, I hope you so. might as well do it full. Go and do a full rebuild if you're going to do it. Because if not, you're setting your next foot back. Look at Mike Riley. He's already under fire. His team has lost four crushing ways. I mean, there's no way you can tell me Losing on a, on a Hail Mary is his fault. <laughs> you know? I mean, the Illinois game, was, was that a bad coach decision? Yeah, afterwards he came out and said, well, it's supposed to be a run, but Tommy thought he had the, the guy. The running back dropped the ball. That's a mess. But, there, there's no, you know, you can't tell me the, way, the four ways he lost is your all Mike Riley's fault. Now, I don't believe that. So, I mean, Mike Riley was already behind the eight ball because of what he's following up. If Nebraska just committed to a full rebuild, it wouldn't have the same issue. Look at what McElwain and Harbaugh, they were given keys and told you have a couple of years, and they're succeeding early. So people are ecstatic. I mean, Florida fans were like, hey, man, we'll take, we'll take eight wins this year. That'd be great. I mean, they're 5-0. and oh. I mean, Florida fans Hello. are dancing. So, I mean, that, that's just, if you're going to do it, do a full build. Don't just try and find your next Band-Aid. Okay, I... If I was the Georgia AD, this is what I would do. My first on the list would be Gary Patterson. And I would 
and I would throw a bunch of money at him and see if he would leave TCU. He won't. I know. Nope. Well, why, why not try? I mean, I would try. <laughs> Plus, I mean, Gary Patterson, I mean, you know, he's, I mean, is he, uh, he's never won a championship. He's, you know, I consider with, him with, a really good wins. coach. Yeah, he's, I think he's good, but I mean, he's not going to leave. He, he would have left a long time ago, I think. Don't you think, Jonathan? If he's going to leave, I think he'd have gone to Texas or or something. I mean, but who's out there, Georgia? Who? I mean, Georgia is the place. I mean, it's a great, great town. Athens is the great recruiting. I mean, it's a dream job. But who's going to take it? Who's going to? I mean, Chip Kelly. It would have to be somebody that has Georgia ties. I mean. I think Kirby's smart. Does he have Georgia ties, Kirby? Well, I mean, Kirby's smart where his ties are. In fact, I mean, he was right next door to Bama, which obviously gives him an advantage, especially recruiting-wise, because he recruits the whole area. Um, and Kirby did go to the University of Georgia. I mean, he also went to Florida State. I mean, Kirby was, uh, Kirby, Kirby was the defensive back for Georgia from 95 to 98. He got his first minor coaching gig. Uh, and 99 for Jordan. Um, I, you know, Kirby was at Valdosta State in 2000, 2001, which obviously, I mean, he has ties recruiting-wise from there. He was at Florida State from 02 to 03. Uh, he was at Georgia in 05. I mean, so Kirby has ties to the University of Georgia, and that might be the place for him to go. But Kirby's also a Bama boy. You know, I mean, he he, he was born in Bama. He, he, he graduated high school in Georgia. I mean, those are his two states. He's got two states he's locked into. So I could see Kirby. It would make sense for him to get that job. It really would. Because he's already been there twice as a coach under Rick. So he knows. He's played there. Um, you know, he went to high school there. He's coached at a Division two school, a Division three school there. I mean, Kirby has ties in the state of Georgia. So that would be a huge coup for them. I mean, about, and, and he's only 39. Dabo? He'll be 40. How about Damo mm. Sweeney? Um, Clemson wouldn't let him leave. Yeah. I'm going to throw out a name. And, and, and he's another Mark Rick as well. You know I mean? Who are you going to throw out, Quinn? Mm-hmm. Bobby Petrino. Not going to happen. Wow. No. No. The whole conference won't touch him. Yeah, okay. Plus, Atlanta, the state of Georgia won't touch him because they hate him. I mean, he left the Falcons mm-hmm. during the middle of the season. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's the key. If you're going to fire Rick, you have to have a replacement in place, and that's 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 hard to do right now. He has, they have to know that, hey, Chip Kelly told me that he's going to come if we get rid of Mark Rick. That's what, what kind we're looking at. But before we go, guys, I want to talk and see what y'all think about Duke. Williams getting kicked off the Auburn team. Jonathan, I, I'm hearing he was a cancer in the locker room. The whole team's excited that he's gone. Could Duke Williams be the reason, A, for the camaraderie struggles at Auburn, and B, for the Jeremy Johnson struggles? And could Jeremy Johnson be the starting quarterback Thursday night at Lexington and get the ball rolling and get Auburn out of this rut there? I, I mean, it, it would be nice. And that's always the risk you take when you bring in a Juco kid because obviously his first go-around – because usually Juco kids were recruited out of high school, but they had issues, whether it's, off, whether it's in the classroom, off the field. That, that's usually what it is, nine out of ten times. Um, so you knew you were taking a big shot by bringing him in. 
Everybody knows that. I mean, we've seen it backfire at Florida State. You've seen it backfire at Alabama. So, by losing an NFL talent like him, and, I mean, before this, there was talk to him being a first and second round pick. He's going to slip down the draft. He'll be a sixth, seventh round flyer at this point if he's lucky because of all the red flags. It could be beneficial. Because he was, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard he was Jeremy Johnson's roommate, if I'm not mistaken. So you take a negative influence. Okay, so you take a negative influence away from Jeremy. You get a chance to go to the locker room. By getting rid of him, I think the team starts to look around and go, well, who's next? I mean, you've already been to Jeremy once. You kicked Duke off the team. So obviously Malzahn is showing, you know what? Our season is where it is. I don't care anymore. I'll start bumping all y'all. So I think the players <laughs> have to come to a point where they go, all right, well, I don't want to lose my spot. Like, I'm going to start getting really, really, really nervous. So, I mean, I think offensively you might see a little bit of a struggle against Kentucky maybe in the first and second quarter. They're trying to figure stuff out. But when you have a leader and leaders in the locker room um, that can get out there and get their voice across, and now that Duke's gone, they're not, no longer having to battle that negative influence. Now they have to get out yep. there and let their voices be heard. And I think that's where it's going to be big this year. Quinn, do you think Malzahn's smart enough to put Jeremy Johnson back as quarterback and let him just take the rest of the season? Because I don't think that Auburn can win with Sean White at quarterback I right do. now this year. I, Maybe in a couple of years. Nah, he's terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> Sean White isn't terrible. Yeah, I mean, he threw it ten times against. If, here's here's the way I look at it, Quinn, and maybe I'm wrong, and y'all tell me. And, and I could be. I'm very critical of my team, but if you're if you're Auburn and you're if he's really the quarterback, you know, of your future, you're going to throw it more than ten times against a San Jose State team. I understand maybe against Mississippi State you didn't or something like that, but they won't throw it downfield with him. They don't trust him. I think they're buying time to get Jeremy Johnson mentally ready because, Jonathan, I don't see Sean White beating A&M, beating Georgia, beating Alabama, beating teams like that. I see the only chance is throwing the ball downfield and running with Jeremy Johnson. I mean, tell me what you think. Sean White's not terrible. I guess that's that's the wrong thing to say, Quinn. He's a redshirt freshman. He just I just don't think he's ready yet for this kind of stage. Yeah, oh, no, I no, think Sean's not ready. Yeah. Ahead, I think Jonathan. Jeremy will get the starting nod on a Thursday, and I th- and I think he's going to play much much better than what we saw the first couple games before he got benched. Oh, and here's where I think it's going to go. The, the 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 bigger thing out of here is now that Duke's gone, Gus doesn't have that, if you will, that need to throw the ball to Duke because Duke's his great playmaker. So Gus, I, I almost feel like, is going to start to revert back to that uh, that more run, that that more 70-30 run split as far as his offense goes. And I think that's where we're going to go ahead and, and, and we're going to see the offense roll more. Because with Duke, I feel like Gus almost felt the need to throw the football to him because he knew Duke could do things with it. But now that Duke's not there, I mean, why, why force the ball to, to, to playmakers when I mean, in all reality, let's just play what we have. And we know Peyton Barber is a talent at running back. I mean, we have, there's a lot of talent. Rock Thomas, I mean, let's, let's go ahead and run the football, guys. Let's go ahead and get it done. Maybe some screens. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's, let's, let's get back and to the offense that got you to a national championship game. 
<laughs> yep, think about it, Jonathan. Think about it. I mean, against Mississippi State, they finally got the running game going. They followed up against San Jose State with a big-time performance on the ground. I think now what you do is you – and it confuses me because all year, and you, you tell me if I'm lying, anybody out there, the only way Auburn can win the SEC is with Jeremy Johnson being able to run the zone read. Did I not say that, Jonathan? Oh, no, you did. That, that's, that's what you've been preaching the whole time. Yeah, he came in, you know, in the second half of LSU, you know, he ran that 60-yard touchdown. But in the fourth quarter, they ran the zone read with him. He went right down the field, made a couple – got in a rhythm, got a couple good passes, threw a touchdown, and then you never see him again. I just think they're using him wrong maybe because of Duke Williams. Maybe they're using him as some big pocket passer because of the receivers. Auburn has great receivers, but the thing is – Duke wasn't willing to block to pay his dues and to do it. But I think Jeremy Johnson's problem, and this is what I heard, Duke punched him in the face before the season started. If you remember, Duke Williams wasn't able to practice, and he was kind of suspended. He punched Jeremy Johnson, and I wonder if that had something to do with the struggles of Jeremy Johnson. Maybe getting punched in the face by your roommate. I don't know, but but Quinn, Sean White's going to be a good quarterback one day, but he's six foot tall. He's not a playmaker to me. Um, he does have a strong arm, but in the SEC to win, unless you're Johnny Manziel, I think you got to have a little height on you. If you're Auburn and you want to salvage any part of this season, you have to play Jeremy Johnson as your quarterback. And you don't. He doesn't need to be looking over his shoulder, being benched anymore. This is his chance. I heard, and this is what I heard, Jonathan. He looks real good in practice, but practice is different in the game. Looks like he's coming back to his old self. If he comes back, if if he comes back, John, Jeremy Johnson, he does, and he has a great second half right here. What could what could Auburn do? Who could they upset? I mean, I, I see spoiler all over this team. When Georgia, Bama, A and M, some teams like that, they play and they can they can pull off a big upset, but only with Jeremy Johnson. Well, I still think the talent's there to where I think Auburn can run the table. This is the same Auburn team that I, I, I predicted to make the playoffs and win their, win their conference. I still think this is an Auburn team that can beat Alabama. I still believe that. And if everything that, you, you know, if, if the, you know, the, the grapevine's right and Duke was getting after Jeremy and everything, that could lead to a, not only a psychological issue to where Jeremy's worried if he doesn't give Duke the ball 15 times, Duke's going to come get him. You know, but it can also be that the chemistry breakdown and Jeremy staring down Duke, which leads to interceptions, leads to problems. So that that really could be an issue. I mean, we've seen that happen before with star receivers who start doing stuff like that. So I, I think that, you know, this is still a, a team that has all the talent that I thought they did at the beginning of the year. I'm a full believer in that. I mean, that, that talent just didn't disappear. And flip it. Flip it to the defense, Jonathan. I mean, Will Muschamp, you can tell he's angry. I think he's about to clean house from the older players. The toughness is not there. I mean, they're getting some key people back. Irvin's coming back. They're getting Williams back at linebacker. Could this bye week have been at a perfect time? And, Quinn, I'll ask you, did the bye week come at a perfect time for the defense? I know the offense is going to benefit, but what about this defense? I think you see a better Auburn defense for the rest of the season. Yes, I, I I think it did come at a perfect time. I think uh, I think uh, these last like these last like two weeks have uh, have really helped. And I yeah, I think we'll see a 
improve defense the rest of the year. And if uh, they can blow out Kentucky, I think uh, this will be the momentum that Auburn needs. And I think uh, we I could see the Auburn that blowout. we expected. Yeah, and then look, you had the bye week, San Jose State, you got Kentucky, and they are Kentucky. Auburn's a slight favorite. Uh, they go to Arkansas. Arkansas is not actually a world beater right now. Jonathan, a, a five and two Auburn team with Ole Miss coming into town. I mean, that that could be a big game right there. And I think the defense is what's going to spark this team. I just think Duke Williams being gone is going to help. But I think Jeremy Johnson leads this team. I mean, what if what if Auburn beats Ole Miss and they're six and two all of a sudden? How's that trip to College Station looking? Well, I, I mean, if Kentucky goes out and they beat Arkansas, they get nine days. I mean, they beat Kentucky. They get nine days for Arkansas because Kentucky games on Thursday night. They won't beat Arkansas. Arkansas ain't that good. <laughs> I mean, let, let me just put it that way. Yeah, Arkansas is not going to run through them like Fournette did. All right, so but, but I'm going to say they're going to beat Arkansas. All right, so that's two more wins. All right, so they beat Ole Miss. With the momentum, the positive momentum, they're going to have rolling in. If they can beat Ole Miss, so show them they have, but they have holes and they have weaknesses. Then all of a sudden, I think you have to go, wow, then they get to go to A&M. Well, let's say A&M, you know, they, they're the Alabama does, you know, slow drugging like you predict them to. I think Auburn will go ahead and take care of that game. Then they get Georgia, who they hate, but it's in Jordan Hare. I think Auburn gets – I mean, we're going to talk about an Auburn team with only two losses going into a home game against Alabama. <laughs> and like I said, I can see this Auburn team being uh, winning out. I can't. I really can. I think the Mississippi State game was a wake-up call. It was a huge slap in the face to everybody involved there because they should have won that game handedly. Mississippi State was not yeah. the better team. They're not. That that was poor yeah, all the way score. around because the defense didn't play yeah. bad. The offense didn't play that good. And that, that whole team was, it was dysfunctional that game. It was a real dysfunction in that game. So it all comes down to how do they handle – I mean, they got to go on the road these next two games, the Thursday night, and they got to go to Arkansas. But the stretch is your home Ole Miss at A&M, home Georgia. That's a huge three-game stretch. That's a stretch we all circled at the beginning of the year and said they got to come out on top in those games. They get momentum rolling in. They beat Ole Miss. I think they clean. They go ahead, boom, 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 boom get it done. But that five weeks huge because you know Muschamp went ahead. We all know how Muschamp is. We all know he went ahead and went after some guys this week. He hounded some guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that secondary probably got their tails whipped. That defensive line probably got beat up. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I'd be afraid yeah. to be anywhere near that. You thought McIlwain's tight rate against Kelvin Taylor was bad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can only imagine what Muschamp did behind closed doors. Muschamp is pissed, guys. And, 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 you know, one thing about Muschamp, and no Joey Busy out there and them, they don't give Will Muschamp any credit for that defense out there. One thing he can do, he can recruit talent, he can coach it, develop it. Um, give Auburn a couple years, but I think the dividends are paid by all these freshmen that's been playing all these snaps. They've been getting burned. You know, you get abused. That's how you learn. You 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 you, you get battle tested. You get beat up, and then you learn, and all of a sudden you're real good. This bye week came at a perfect time to heal up, get some people back healthy, to teach. I mean, this, this is a teaching moment because you you really can't teach during the season. You're you're so busy preparing for games. But this bye week is a huge. You can go back and look at the, the the disaster of the first half, and guess what? The disaster. You're three and two. It could be worse. You could be a lot worse. You could have lost to Jacksonville State. You know, it could have been a lot worse. But you're three and two after five, and it's not where you want to be. 
But what happens? You, you, I could sell this team to say, look, nobody's going to give a crap about that 40-point or 24-point LSU loss or that Mississippi State loss if you take care of business now. I'll forgive them, and, and I know a lot of fans will, but I'm telling you guys, you mark it down. If Jeremy Johnson is not the quarterback Thursday night, if he doesn't play, Auburn doesn't win. I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening, and I could be wrong, but, but we're going to oh, see. But, yeah. guys, we're out of time tonight. We're out of time tonight. I've got a roll. Um, anything you want? Anything, Quinn? Before you before you go, what do you want to say? Oh, I was just gonna say, and uh, the players haven't given up on their team either, which is big. They all, even after the Duke incident, they said we're not done yet. The wide receiving courts said we still got juice in us. We're not we're not done yet. Everyone can stop believing in us, but we're gonna prove everyone wrong. And I think that's big. It's big that the players still believe in themselves and in each other. Uh, that is because if you think about the Gene Chizik year, guys, remember the three and nine, uh, they quit on their coach. They quit on themselves. Jonathan, I mean, coming from the players, they're trying to let you know, hey, don't give up on us yet, fans. We're not giving up on ourselves. We're not going to let you down. I mean, that's positive, right? That's huge. That's a lot of positivity. It really is. And, and, and you know, I, I, like I said, I still believe it's there. I still believe all the pieces are there. I think they're going to get it done. I think, you know, Chris Davis, I think, is going to become a huge leader for this team uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the rest of the year. I mean, he, he was there for the great year, even though it did end it in heartbreak to my nose. But he was there for a great year, and he knows what it takes to, to pull out those victories and get it done. And I think this Auburn team is going to write that ship. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you Wednesday night. We're going to try to do a show Wednesday, same time, same place. Definitely next Sunday at eight thirty. We'll talk some more. We'll talk some more NFL. I know we talked a lot of college tonight, guys. But thanks for joining me. Join us yeah. Wednesday night, eight thirty p.m. Eastern. All right, guys. Go Knowles. Bye bye.